Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 5 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. White House is calling today's jobs report good news. Payrolls come in stronger than expected, even though the unemployment rate did inch higher. 3.6% has been hearing on Bloomberg today. Wages easing which makes inflation hawks happy. The labor participation rate rising to its highest level since March of 2020. President Biden at the White House after the report. I think we got a good jobs report. I'm happy to report that our economy has created over 300,000 new jobs last month. And that's on top of a half a million jobs we added the month before. All told, we've created more than 12,000, 12,000 jobs since I took office. Nearly 8,000 of the manufacturing jobs. That means overall we've created more jobs in two years than any administration has created in the first four years. We wanted to talk about it with the labor secretary who is, just so happens, it is his last day on the job. So this morning I thought I'd head down Labor Department, see if we could find Secretary Walsh. And we did. He was outside labor there on Constitution Avenue. All the camera crews lined up from the networks. It was raining. I think maybe I made him nostalgic for Boston because he stopped what he was doing. We both ducked inside the Labor Department for a brief conversation about what's inside the data, among a few other things. And I started by asking him about that labor participation rate and why people are finally coming back to work. Being here at the Department of Labor, the last jobs day means a great day uh, for jobs in America. Um, It's almost a two-year anniversary of the American Rescue Plan passing. Uh, So the president's done an amazing job, and, and I've been part of this this ride with him and it's been amazing. The highest labor force participation rate since March of 2020. I remember where we all were in March of 2020. Yeah, we were in Boston. <laughs> that was, and that was a bad time. That, so you're looking at the highest number since the pandemic, essentially. Why are people now finally coming back to work? Well, a, a lot of it has to do with the, the economic plan that President Biden's laid out. Uh, a lot of it has to do with business as well, thinking about and adjusting to, to, the, to the worker. Uh, people are getting back to work because they need to get back to work. Um, I think that, you know, uh, having people vaccinated, the numbers of COVID going down, uh, all of that stuff is, is playing into this. You know, it's been a long two years, really, when you think about it. And, you know, uh, it, it could have been much, much worse. Uh, it is bad for a lot of people. And we're still dealing with, with the aftermath of inflation and other things. But uh, it's good to see those numbers go up. It's good to see higher wages for people. Uh, it's good to see that we can identify today 
to even increase that labor participation higher. President put in his economic plan the other day, the blueprint, the budget he filed, mm-hmm. um, you know, child care, home care. All of those issues, if, if Congress addresses them, we will see those, those participation rates even go higher, which could set records. Uh, wages are easing in this report. The market celebrates that. How does the labor secretary see it? You know, it, they're easing very incrementally. I mean, you're still talking about wages uh, from two years have gone up significantly. You're still seeing higher wages in hospitality and, and restaurant workers that have been severely underpaid for years. So we're seeing that. Obviously, we don't want. I'd like to see wages continue to gain, but which I think is 4.6 percent today, year over year. Uh, you know, we'd like to see those continue to increase, but we still have to do more work to get inflationary pressures down. So that people feel actually the wages in their pocket, that they actually feel a benefit of that. Okay, so this is a a balancing act here, obviously. As you prepare to leave Washington, though, do you worry about how rising interest rates could impact wages in the end, or is that the point, that they, that they must well, I mean, balance that, themselves That's out. something that you'll have to ask the Fed and other folks. But, but you know, I, I look at, you know, the, the, the conversation for the last year really has been that rising interest rates would lead to higher unemployment. It didn't. And, and I mean, I mean, I guess it goes against what econom, uh, economists think. Uh, I just think that we want to continue to see people go back to work. There's industries looking for people. Uh, we're looking here at the Department of Labor to invest even more in apprenticeships, training, um, workforce development to get people into good paying jobs. People want to work in America, and hopefully we can continue moving forward. Are you going to miss this? You came to Washington at a critical time for our job market and at a very controversial time in our politics. Yeah, you know, of course I'm going to miss it. I I love working with this cabinet and with this president and the people here at the Department of Labor who are amazing uh, employees, both on the career side, who have been here forever, and they're here during secretaries and administrations and they stay mm-hmm. and the folks that are here that, that the political appointees that are here working so I'm going to miss working with the people here you know it's bittersweet because it's like I said to you it's been my first time out of public service in, since uh, April 12th in 1997 How about that? when I got sworn in as a state representative so um, you know I'm going to miss that uh, but you know I'm, I'm still going to be in and around the business I hope uh, when I when I start my new job what's your advice for the next labor secretary you know we, we I don't have to give her much advice we, we've been we've been <laughs> connected at the hip for the last two years and and Julie Sue is a great person and you know she, she you know she's my partner in this and you know all of the successes we've had we have it collectively together and, and any, any bumps we had I'll, I, I take the blame it's me um, you know but I, I think that you know we work for a president that truly does care about getting America back and building an economy from the bottom up and middle out and that's President Biden says it all the time and what he means by that is Americans that are struggling out there that didn't support him uh, that might have supported him uh, that if they're struggling he wants to get them into the middle class and that's that's our that's our job so lastly I frequently have called you mr. mayor by accident over the last two years yeah. mr. secretary when's the last time you laced up Paris skates a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> thank Back God I'm not playing <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being good to us at Bloomberg say hi to the family back home in Boston I will my friend thank you of course, he's now on his way to be well, going to run the NHL Players Union. And technically, tomorrow, I guess, is his last day on the job. But I think, you know, Saturday, I think that means today is the last day. So let's assemble the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano is here, along with Jennifer Kearns, Republican strategist and former spokesperson for the California Republican Party. Great to have you both here. Jeannie, we back off of this. And try to figure the politics behind it, because the White House did not schedule an event until after the data was released. Then we heard the president was going to speak at 1045 this morning. They clearly thought this was another opportunity to take a victory lap. Did it work? 
Yeah, you, you know, they did what they needed to do. I think they have to be very circumspect. This is a contradictory report, and there are good signs for them, but there are also signs that things could potentially go south if you look at the timing of this thing, because he is heading into an election year. So if you see the interest rates going up, which we now know is likely to happen, it could portend to a recession down the road. So the president's got to be very, very circumspect, talk about the work that they still have to do. But remember, when we look at the polls, people are not feeling the good numbers that he's talking about. That's the gap he's got to address. And the matter of inflation, of course, Jennifer, is a real one. But when you see in this environment, after all these rate hikes, jobs coming in, payrolls coming in, still hotter than expected. If you're the president, you're going to go out there and take credit for it, right? Oh, sure. I mean, I, I think the PR round on this is is warranted. And, um, you know, if, if you've got a good jobs number, uh, you have to go out there and, and do the dog and pony show. Uh, but the problem is uh, the hind leg of the dog is is sort of limping, you know, this inflation issue still hanging over the president's head. And, uh, you know, uh, the pony is still sort of back in the stable. So inflation really is, is the key story, I think, here. And you can have uh, the jobs uh, performance. You can have uh, even pay increases. But are those going to be enough to keep up with the record inflation, highest in 40 years since yeah. Jimmy Carter? Uh, that is, I think, going to haunt Biden going into the 2024 field uh, where, you know, even among his own party, only 35 percent of Democrats and Democrat-leaning independents mm-hmm. even want him to consider running. Well, I find it interesting here, Jeannie, when you look at a number like wages specifically, the market's going to see this differently than uh, than Main Street is, right? You see wages easing. I'll use that word. They didn't go down a lot. Uh, the market loves that because it's disinflationary. But you just heard uh, Secretary Walsh. He, he didn't, he didn't want to indulge that thought. He said, yeah, they've gone down a little bit. Because his job is to make sure people are employed and have higher wages. So these two keep bumping into each other. They do. And it's such an important point because we see all three of these numbers. And as you talked about, they keep bumping up against each other. And I know some economists who say the wages number is the really important number. I think that's probably true for political scientists like myself, because that reflects what people feel. And when people feel like it is being outpaced by inflation, that's why even when the economists, macroeconomists tell us the numbers are good, the numbers are good, Mm -hmm. people in polls don't reflect that because they're not feeling it. Their standard of living is still declining. And that's the real challenge that the president has faced. I think they are doing a good job being circumspect and careful on this, but they've got to keep their focus on the fact that the president is doing the work to get this economy under control. We're still in a precarious place. The race is not over yet. I think they've got to avoid standing up and saying, you know, we are good to go because God forbid they hit inflation. They are going to have a lot of explaining to do in an election year. Yeah, well, that's uh, for sure. And it's all coming against the backdrop, Jennifer, of the new budget proposal, the one the president dropped yesterday, and it calls for higher taxes. We spent a lot of time on this yesterday afternoon as the numbers were just being released. And specifically, the corporate tax rate rising to 28% in this proposal. The president talked about that today when he was at. You know, uh, when we talked about 28% tax rate, Ronald Reagan was 28% tax rate. (laughs) 
you know, that wacko liberal guy, you know? <laughs> the idea that that's an un, un, unreasonable amount. But I'll get into that later. Anyway. Jennifer, you know he's serious when he starts whispering. <laughs> um, the wacko liberal <laughs> Ronald Reagan, 28%. That's probably not going to pass, though, is it? No, I don't think it is. You know, uh, that darn GOP just won those uh, midterms over on the House side. So I don't think uh, that Biden's going to be successful in that. But that may not matter as much as the, you know, the public optics of the president going around uh, doing this dog and pony show. At least he looks like, you know, he's trying to solve this uh, economic problem. And we all remember uh, James Carville, uh, love him, political hero, but uh, he says it's the economy, stupid. Anytime uh, you're going to run uh, in 2024, uh, you need to be focused. And, and you can see that Biden is trying to shore up the economic story uh, mm-hmm. ahead of any potential announcement. Look, there are other things happening, too, uh, that I think alarm people. And that is this run on SVB, uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, yeah. That shows that um, there are some parts of the economy that aren't doing so well. You know, this isn't exactly... 1920s, uh, you know, 1930 financial collapse yet, but a run on a bank uh, is not a good thing to have if you're looking to run again. Uh, Well, no, I guess that's true. Is this something he's going to have to talk more about, Jeannie? Yeah, I I do think they're going to have to address it. You know, when you have headlines in local papers, you know, is this the next Enron? Mm. Uh, To Jennifer's point, though, that that is concerning territory because you have a story. Stories of of this kind normally don't eke out into the broader press, but this one has because it's important to people. So the president, the administration will have to address it. But I do think the budget puts Republicans in the House in particular in an awful bind. How can they possibly put forward a balanced budget if they've taken Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and defense off the table. They would have to strike all domestic discretionary spending. That's an almost impossible task they've set for themselves. The president really politically got them in a bind. I think we forgot that Joe Biden has been here before. He's the one who negotiated with John Boehner way, way back the last time we faced this. He knows what he's doing on this. He has triangulated them to the point where they are going to have a heck of a time getting a plan that's balanced and getting to 218. And that is going to make him look like the adult in the room and the person protecting entitlements, which is mm-hmm. just where he wants to be entering 24. We only have a minute left uh, at, at this point here, Jennifer, but I'm just wondering why is a 28% corporate tax rate so toxic to Republicans when it was so recently uh, in place and at one time, as we just, I think, established, was supported uh, by a Republican administration, if we're very concerned about deficits, isn't raising revenue from major companies a good way to go about it? Well, I think the Republican Party, uh, you know, has become so anti-tax uh, that, you know, what was uh, acceptable maybe in the 1980s is is no longer prudent for, for 2023. Uh, mm. But look, I think that Kevin McCarthy is an extraordinarily shrewd negotiator. And I actually think, uh, just in opposition to Jeannie's opinion, I think Joe Biden being in Washington, D.C. for the better part of 50 years is actually his Achilles heel because mm. McCarthy likes to think outside of the box. You know, I've known him since 2003, since yeah. the uh, recall of Gray Davis. Yeah. Uh, boy, Kevin McCarthy's going to have some tricks up his sleeve for this uh, round of negotiation. Well, hold that thought, because that's where we're going to pick up on Joe Biden sitting down with Kevin McCarthy. Will it even happen? That's next. This is Bloomberg. Your industry is unique. 
It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 5 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Continuing live from Washington on this jobs day, the ink still drying on the president's budget and a lot of talk about that on Capitol Hill, of course, with some pretty significant deadlines. Go ahead, call it a fiscal cliff if you want, not just the budget, but the debt limit. And you know they're entangled. Richie Neal, who was just a couple of months ago, the chair, he's now ranking member of the House Ways and Means Committee eager to get the process started. budget that he released yesterday was important, and now we have a blueprint. And we look forward to hearing what the other side has to say when, at some point, Hmm. they might lay out their budget plan. Okay, well, let's hear about that. The the new chair of Ways and Means, Republican Jason Smith. After two years of economic failures, the American people desperately want results. The president's budget means more pain with $1.8 trillion in new taxes on Main Street businesses, many of which still have help-wanted signs hanging in their windows because of the Democrat-fueled worker shortage. Let's reassemble our panel. Bloomberg Politics contributor and Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano is here along with Republican strategist Jennifer Kearns, former spokeswoman for the California Republican Party. Uh, Jennifer. This budget process we know is going to be a painful one. Uh, The president put out all of the proposals yesterday. You know, you saw the report saying it's dead on arrivals. 6.9 
trillion dollars. There are proposed tax hikes in here to pay for uh, the cost of doing business. We don't see a lot of cuts. In fact, defense spending, discretionary, non-discretionary, all increasing in this plan. What's it going to look like by the time it comes through the pipe in Congress? Well, the good news is uh, that uh, McCarthy and Biden are off to a decently good start. They've agreed to at least be cordial through the process, which I think given the uh, you know, heated political climate coming off of four years of Donald Trump, I think is promising. Uh, the bad news for Joe Biden is Kevin McCarthy is digging his heels in. He has vowed to return federal spending to 2022 levels, which yeah. is an an eight percent reduction. Eight percent reduction, though, is is not that tough. Most voters look at this and say, hey, we're doing an eight percent reduction in our own household. Mm-hmm. Surely the federal government can do that. And I think the one difference uh, between McCarthy and, and prior speakers on the Republican side, McCarthy is very press savvy, very media savvy. He is not afraid to take this conversation to the American people. Uh, and that, I think, is how he's going to apply pressure on yeah. to the Biden administration on the budget talks. Well, I think we can admit that Joe Biden's doing the same thing. Listen to the president at the White House today. But I told the speaker, as soon as he's ready to lay out his budget, I'm willing to sit down. And now I'm hearing things like, well, we're not going to have our budget till April or May, maybe even June. All this talk pushing me to get my budget done. I said I'd have it done by the 9th. I had it done by the 9th. I handed it to you guys. I handed it to them. Why all of a sudden can't they get it done in March or maybe even April, maybe even May? I mean, I don't. I don't know. It doesn't sound like they're on the level yet. So, sort of interesting moment there, Jeannie. I mean, he he just can't get his head around this. So, when's the Republican budget going to come out? We're here in maybe the middle of uh, April. What was the whole hurry up and wait all about? Yeah, the president has gotten hit so hard by Republicans and they blasted him for being late with his budget. And then, of course, the budget chair, Jody Arrington, came out and said they may not release their budget till May. A month after they said they were going to pass it, he retracted that, said he misspoke. And now, of course, the president is having some fun. I have to say, between the whispering and the jokes (laughs) yesterday in Philly, he seems like he's in good form on all of this. But, you know, the the serious question here has to do with things like, what are we going to do about Medicare? You know, the president has a serious proposal in the budget, which is dead on arrival, all of those things. But the reality is somebody's got to address the insolvency of Medicare. He has a proposal there. Republicans are going to have to respond to that issue as one of the top issues. And then you just go right down the list. And in all of these cases, none of this is difficult to wrap your head around. You either cut spending, you cut benefits, you cut what's being paid to these health care insurers or you raise taxes. Raise more money, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, it's not, you know, a kindergartner could understand it, (laughs) but to get it done is difficult. I understand that. And the reality is the Republicans are going to have to respond with a proposal to do all of the things they promised to do. And I think it's in all of our interests that they move beyond the debt ceiling and get to some serious talks. And I hope they Mm -hmm. will about the budget because we need the deficit to be kept under control, but we also need to address things like insolvency of Medicare and keep defense spending at par with what it should be. These are big, big questions, and it's a huge, huge task for the Republicans in the House, not to mention Senate and and Democrats in Congress as well. Jennifer Kearns, you mentioned households understand what it's like to cut 8%. Obviously, that is something uh, we all need to manage in our own families. 
The government works a little bit differently, though, and in this case, you cut 8% of a program that somebody depends on, they're going to be screaming about it, and that's this This is the reality for lawmakers, right? This is, this is a big deal for certain individuals. It depends on what program you're talking about, and if we take Social Security and Medicare off the table, as has been done, there's actually not a lot of room to work with here. I mean, you're, you're looking at, what, 30% of the budget or something like that to start clipping, and we're told defense spending is not going to be on the table either. So how do they get it done? Well, right. Uh, and that's why I think you see Kevin McCarthy talking about cutting other entitlements, things uh, like uh, food support and housing support that people became very reliant upon after uh, the COVID pandemic. Uh, and now we're three years out. Uh, President Biden himself says the emergency is ending. Uh, governors like Gavin Newsom say the emergency is ending. And I think that the budget has to reflect that emergency ending. And I think that's where you will see Republicans go. They will get a, a bit of a hit in the press for it. I can almost already hear the 30-second ad going against uh, Republicans in those targeted districts. Oh, they took away my you know, housing benefit. They took away my uh, you know, EBT card. But that is part of the honest conversation as Americans uh, that we have to have. And, you know, Jeannie is right. Uh, Senator Chuck Schumer is just as worried about this conversation. Uh, he, in fact, said the other day uh, that Kevin McCarthy showing up at the White House and 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 meeting with them without having, you know, sort of any any uh, promises on the table is like sitting down at a poker table without cards in your hand. And I think that's exactly that's right. uh, what Chuck Schumer knows of Kevin McCarthy. So I think the GOP is going to get creative here. I think that's why they're not rushing to put out the budget. Uh, and and I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Kevin McCarthy comes up with. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen testifying today on Capitol Hill and talking about the budget. That was the point of this, but it really lent itself to a conversation about the debt limit. And she's there to warn lawmakers, and she's done it before. Failure to pay our bills, she says, will produce economic and financial collapse. And that prioritizing some payments... As we've discussed, this is what some House Republicans want to do. You pay the debt on the Treasuries and you stop paying for certain programs here. She said that is just default by another name. Here she is. Since 1789, the United States has always paid its bills on time and it must continue to do so. In my assessment and those of economists across the board, a default on our debt would trigger an economic and financial catastrophe. So there it is again, Jeannie. I know the market thinks this is going to get fixed, or at least they're, they're allowing space. We're not freaking out about this yet. We have other things to freak out about, beginning with inflation. But when does this actually become a problem if we're going to hit the X date somewhere between July and August? You know, I think we have a little time to go on this, but there is going to come a point. And, you know, we all know Washington works best when they get to a deadline, just like mm -hmm. students. And so <laughs> it's going to come this summer. There will be no rest for any congressional reporters. But, you know, I don't know, Joe, did you coin the name default by another name or was that hers? Because that is brilliant. No, that was hers. And that I, was, I, actually, I love it. <laughs> very deliberate writing, Jennifer. She's right about this. Correct. The idea of prioritizing payments uh, in favor of bondholders. That's not going to fly politically, is it? No, I don't think it will. And look, I know that Janet Yellen has has been able to launch a, what she called extraordinary measures yeah. to cover the bills. Uh, but you're, you're right. That uh, funding is going to run out sometime over the summer. So uh, caution to any member of Congress. Don't plan on taking a summer vacation until this is completely <laughs> resolved. 
caution from Jennifer Kearns. Jennifer, thank you for coming in. Appreciate your insights. Jeannie, of course, always. Jeannie Shanzana with us making our panel today on Bloomberg Sound On and some important things to think about as we head for the weekend. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, The Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. President Biden feeling pretty good about the jobs report. Of course, it comes out at 830. A short time later, we hear the president's going to speak publicly. They scheduled that for 1045. And there he was at the White House before heading off the weekend. Some good news to share. I think we've got a good jobs report. I'm happy to report that our economy has created over 300,000 new jobs last month. And that's on top of a half a million jobs we added the month before. All told, we've created more than 12,000, 12,000 jobs since I took office, nearly 8,000 of the manufacturing jobs. That means overall, we've created more jobs in two years than any administration has created in the first four years. A couple of important numbers here, the unemployment rate rising to 3.6%. Remembering, we've got two different surveys here. Job growth beating estimates on the payroll side. Monthly wages rising at the slowest pace in a year. Wall Street likes that component. And as we discussed last hour, with outgoing Labor Secretary Marty Walsh, wages didn't fall enough for him to be concerned. that People are still making more than they were a year ago. The president talked about more than just the jobs report, though. Just a day after dropping his budget, he says inflation is down 30 percent from where it was in the summer. And adding all of this up sees the trajectory 
in place. Let's talk about it with Heather Boucher, member of the White House Council of Economic Advisors on this Jobs Day. Heather, it is great to have you back with us uh, here on Bloomberg. Where is this report in your perspective when you see hotter than expected job growth but easing wages? That's the needle you've been trying to thread, isn't it? I believe at the top of this segment, you called this the Goldilocks you like uh, that? jobs report. And that you stole my line there. I think <laughs> that this is certainly what I think we are seeing today, that oh, we've seen um, steady job gains. Uh, not as hot as January, but you know certainly this at a at a steady pace, down from where they were certainly a year ago. About half as many jobs being created on average as they were, you know, this, uh, you know, at the end of 2021. And at the same time, we are seeing uh, while wages are continuing to rise on a nominal basis, that pace has been slowing. So that has come down from again the end of 2021, and so that's a good indication that. We're seeing the kind of steady growth that the president wants to see, but we're not we're not getting too hot. So that's Goldilocks right there. Okay, good. So I know you're not going to talk about the Fed. I'm not going to ask you about the Fed. But when you look at this report and you consider this the way you just framed it, is this a job market that is strong enough? As the payrolls continue to beat expectations, is it a job a job market strong enough that it can withstand higher interest rates? That is certainly a question. Of course, we don't comment on Fed policy, but you know, what we're seeing is continued ongoing resilience in the U.S. economy and in the and in the labor market, even though a lot of different challenges have been thrown at it over the past couple of years. So the president made a point when he came into office to do what he could do to get the pandemic under control, make sure that we got people back to work. He's been successful at that. And that is despite you know, different variants of the virus that kept mm-hmm. popping up. And, of course, the war in the Ukraine that Putin has been waging that has upended global energy prices, although certainly gas prices have come down since the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but those have been challenges that the economy has been able to withstand. And, you know, as the president talked about, he is working on building an economy from the bottom up and middle out and focused on making sure that we are investing in America, you know, through all of the legislation that he has put in place. And that will continue to help drive productivity and growth moving forward. Participation has been an issue, I realize. And we saw the highest labor force participation rate since March of 2020. Do you have a theory or do you know what it is that's bringing workers back? Is is the the higher interest rate environment doing that on its own? Well, I think a couple of things. Um, you know, certainly... I think we underestimate sometimes when we're talking about the economy just how hard the pandemic was on families all across the country. And mm-hmm. what you see is people getting back to the labor force participation that they were at pre-pandemic. Certainly that's the case for workers who are in what economists call prime age, 25 to 54. Um, so, so that is certainly good news and is indicative of, of things getting back to a semblance of, of where we were pre-pandemic in terms of that particular indicator. At the same time, you know, certainly there are uh, uh, pressures on families to, you know, continue to, to get into the labor market. One thing that we track very closely is that the supports for workers in terms of the number of people employed in child care and in other care sectors, they still haven't come all the way back, which gives us some indication there, there's still some wiggle room there for labor supply. But 
I think there's a lot of opportunity right now in the labor market. Um, you know, again, we have continued to see jobs being added. We have continued to see wages going up, of course, at a slower pace. And that's, um, that, that indicates that there's opportunity for folks that might be sitting on the sidelines who just are looking for that good job. Or would an expanded child tax credit bring some back? Well, anything that helps families cope with the the challenges that they have at home, uh, providing care, dealing with those challenges that can help them fully participate in the economy, be it in the labor market or a small business owner or or whatever it is that they choose to do, certainly all of that can help boost our our economic participation. So certainly, yes. A big deal being made about easing wages today. I know they're not down a lot here, but it's, you know, here we are on Bloomberg. The market celebrates that because it's disinflationary. That's not great for people on Main Street, obviously, as they get potentially left with less money in their pockets. Our Democratic analyst last hour mentioned that 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 helps to exacerbate the impact of inflation. In fact, that they, you know, they feel that uh, the lower wage coupled with higher prices. Do you worry or about lower wages or do you want to see wages come down a bit after rising so much? We certainly, you know, it is certainly the president's goal that we want to see folks getting good jobs, um, good pay. And the president has been very, very clear time and again that uh, addressing the challenges of inflation are top among his priorities. Um, that is why he is focused so hard and doing what he could do to get gas prices down, focusing so hard on making sure that the whole administration did what they could do to unclog supply chains, to get goods flowing throughout the economy. That was, of course, contributing both high energy prices, gas prices in particular, and supply chains were a big part of that inflation challenge. Um, but making sure that people get to work and that we keep that unemployment rate low is certainly going to help boost family incomes over the long term. You are not only on the Council of Economic Advisors, Heather Boucher, you are also Chief Economist to the Invest in America Cabinet, which is a, a, a big title, and we congratulate you for it. But I wonder your perspective on the budget the president dropped yesterday. Of course, it has a lot to do uh, with investing. But it comes against a, a, a House Republican majority that wants to see spending levels brought back a couple of years. This increases spending to $6.9 trillion. Is a big chasm between the White House and the Congress right now. How are you going to bring these parties together? Well, you know, the first step is making your plans clear. And the president has been very clear uh, on his plans from day one. And this budget is another another piece of of his, his plan for how he's going to grow the economy from the bottom up and middle out. And you know, you, there is a lot of things that are proposed in there that are going to lower costs for families. We were just talking about inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's proposed ways to strengthen and protect both Medicare and Social Security. And um, he's going to do this by making sure that doesn't add to the deficit woes, but actually lowers it. This budget lowers the deficit over the next decade by $3 trillion. And doing that by making sure that we are focused on making those at the top pay their fair share. So there's a lot in here that is focused on making sure that the structural bones of the economy are pushing in the right direction, that families have what they need, that we are addressing those high costs that families are facing, and that we're making the kinds of investments that are going to boost productivity uh, and the economy uh, in the years to come. Well, it's going to be a big debate that follows here, and, and we can follow up on that. Heather Boucher, I just want to ask you about the story involving SVP, uh, VP, rather, and the failure of this bank. I wonder if it's something that's on your radar and to the extent that the White House is concerned about this creeping further, about a further contagion. 
Well, that's a it's a great question. You know, Secretary Yellen said this morning that she is monitoring the situation very closely, and you know we are uh, would refer you to the Treasury Department for further updates on this situation. It's not something that's keeping you up at night, though. Is that right? <laughs> the, I wake up each and every day thinking about the health and well being of America's economy. So certainly, this is this is a, an important development. But I would direct you yeah. to Treasury to, for more questions. Heather, thanks for coming to talk to us. Happy Jobs Day. Heather Boucher from the Council of Economic Advisors at the White House. She's chief economist to the Invest in America cabinet. And Michael McKee joins us now from New York with a little bit of analysis on everything that we just heard. Michael, do you think the White House is concerned about SVB or are they more in line with Larry Summers, who says uh, that this is not systemic? I think they they are concerned to the extent that nobody really knows whether SVB is going to cause contagion. The best guess of analysts is it will not. It's a different kind of business model than most of the smaller and mid-sized banks. Maybe there's some that would would have issues, but there isn't really much that uh, the administration would be able to do about it. Mm -hmm. If there were some sort of systemic issue, it would fall to the Fed to figure out how, Fed and the FDIC to figure out how to deal with it. And so right now, now, they'll just keep an eye on it. And they'll keep an eye on uh, what's going on with SVB and the FDIC shutdown. Uh, but I, I, I don't think it is keeping Heather up at night, at, no. at least not yet. That's, that was my sense, although I guess we've been referred to the Treasury for more on that. But uh, today's jobs report, I, I, you know, I used the word Goldilocks and she stole it because that's exactly what the White House wants to see, right? Michael, this is... This would be evidence that the interest rate hikes are not killing the job market, and it could withstand more. Yeah, uh, we have a, na- a nice narrative in, <laughs> in the jobs report story today in that basically we hadn't filled all the jobs that were lost during the pandemic, and people hadn't come back into the labor force. So now they're coming back into the labor force in larger numbers, which pushed unemployment up, and they're finding jobs in areas where they were short jobs, leisure and hospitality, uh, still not even close to filling all the jobs that uh, they had before the pandemic. And so you have people getting jobs in areas that are uh, in need of people, but also are lower paid, which keeps the average hourly earnings figure down. And at uh, on a three-month annualized basis, you're looking at 3.6%, which is uh, the lowest since 2021. So we are seeing progress in all the areas the administration and, and the Fed would like to see. The only question here from here is whether it's sustained and whether it has had any impact on inflation. Well, there's a lot there. Um, and as we consider the president's budget here, uh, Michael, I wonder how you see these overlapping, because the, the Republican Party would tell you this president's budget will add to inflation, not make it worse. And he's asking for things that he knows he cannot get. Uh, how do you how does this all come together in the mix on Capitol Hill? Well, I think I think, Joe, you know, as well as I do, Joe, that uh, the budget the president put forward is mm-hmm. uh, a talking point. The Republicans are going to put out a budget that's a talking point. Yeah. Both will take the extreme positions that uh, their constituencies would like. Will so the inflation I, conversation, though, drive the end product, or are these I don't detached think so. in reality? I don't think it's the inflation conversation. It's the debt 
uh, issue that Republicans are really exercised about. And uh, their view, their view is the size of the debt is is way too big now, and it's only going to grow more. And we have that CBO report uh, that says we'll you know see fifty trillion dollars in debt in, in ten years, uh, and the Democrats will look at the fact that the debt is sustainable at these levels mm-hmm. as long as we're growing fast enough uh, to to pay it, and we're not going to have interest rates above five percent for ten years. Uh, so uh, they don't see it as as a bigger issue. Uh, to me, the and I'll just speak as an economist here. Yeah, I love. <laughs> I'll step back and say uh, the the failure of both sides is that they're not looking at uh, what needs to be done holistically. Uh, there are a lot of programs that probably don't work very well that could see smaller funding. Everybody has a constituency, though, and so it's really hard to do that. But nobody is looking at what would it take to grow the economy faster. The Republican view is tax cuts grow the economy faster doesn't happen. Uh, Democratic view is that the government needs to uh, be more involved in the planning. That hasn't worked in the past. They need to look at the programs that will help. Now, the Inflation Reduction Act, um, you can argue about climate change all you want, but the fact that they're going to spend money on infrastructure that's going to be good for the economy in the long run. It doesn't help immediately, and so it's a little bit of a hard political sell. But the whole idea of childcare and right. uh, getting making it possible for more women to work, which then creates uh, more wealth in the economy, uh, that's just sort of one of those fundamental disagreements between the two sides that an economist would tell you would be good for the economy. And it won't be resolved. And it won't be resolved anytime soon. Thanks for the insights, Michael McKee, and always helping us decipher what we're hearing uh, on the data and from the administration for that matter. Thanks for listening to the Sound On Podcast. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already at Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can find us live every weekday from Washington, D.C. at 1 p.m. Eastern Time at Bloomberg.com. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.